Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. What do you do when you're facing a future that's honestly just uncertain? You don't know really what's going to happen next. Maybe it's your marriage. It's probably your marriage if you're listening to this. If, if you're listening to marriage radio, perhaps it's that your marriage is on the brink of divorce. Your spouse is in the middle of an affair and they want out. They want to be completely gone, and you don't know what your future is going to hold. But maybe it's not just your marriage. Maybe there's something going on at work, or something going on with your kids, or something going on with a, in your personal life, and you just are filled with fear. Because there's so much uncertainty in the unknown. Hey, Marriage Radio listeners, I'm Kimberly Holmes. I'm the CEO of Marriage Helper, and I'm doing the podcast this week. Dr. Beam is taking the week off. And honestly, this is just not going to be as long. There's no call-ins. There's nothing like that. It's not going to be an hour long. But I want to address something that's been on my heart today. I've... um, honestly just been praying a lot about it. And when Joe said he wasn't going to be able to do the program, I said, I want to step up. I want to do it. um, And I'm just going to speak about what's on my heart. Honestly, what's on my heart right now is not necessarily having to do with my marriage, but it definitely applies to that as well. It personally and my family were having some people with illness, some people with sickness, and there's a lot of unknown, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear, a lot of being scared, and a lot of asking, where is God? Where is God in all of this? And that's a scary place to be. I don't know if you're a Christian or not, but when you start questioning if God is still a part of your life, if God is still listening, if God is still in what's going on, when you start thinking that he might not be, that's such a dark place to be. And it can be so easy for someone who's not currently going through a hard time when they're not having to struggle with this. It it can be so easy for someone to look in on your situation and say, oh, of course God is there. Because God's always there. They give those canned responses, those cookie-cutter answers. And when you're in a great place, you say those same things too. But when you're going through those trials, the doubt starts to come in. And that's not a bad thing. That doesn't make you less of a person or less of a Christian by any stretch of the imagination. I know that not all of our listeners are Christians, Um, I hope that you listen to the whole podcast. I, I really believe you'll get something really great out of it, but especially for those of you who are Christians and you're going through this time and it's affecting your faith, this is for you. 
This is something I struggled with. Even I can remember back years ago when my marriage was going through a really hard time and I would go back and forth in between, God, where are you? Why are you not intervening right now? Because I know that you have the power to change this. I know that you do. You can step in. You can do it. You've done it in the Bible. I've seen you do it in other times in my life. So where are you right now? I would, I would sway back and forth between that thought and then the thought of feeling so overwhelmingly comforted, so overwhelmingly protected that God had just stepped into my situation. And even though everything around me was complete chaos, I knew that God was giving me a peace that surpassed all understanding. And it was in those moments that I feel like I understood the gravity of faith, the gravity of what Jesus did on the cross, the goodness of God, because God is good even when things are hard. When, when I was going through that, that difficult time in my marriage, when one day things looked like they might be looking up, and when the other days I would be in the bathroom just getting away from everything and spending time with God and asking, crying out, sometimes in anger, why? Why, God, why? It was in those moments I feel like real faith developed. And that's not unheard of. That's actually exactly what the Bible talks about. In 1 Peter, I actually have my Bible here with me, so I'm going to kind of be going back and forth between, between some things. Um, in 1 Peter, it talks about how we have that, that faith that is refined by gold. In 1 Peter chapter 1, um, I'll start in verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I want to park here for, for just a minute. Um, so, so here we have Peter, and he starts out by saying, God has conquered death. So of all of the fears that you have in life, of whatever current obstacle, whatever current circumstance that you're facing right now, the greatest one of all is that fear of death. Ultimately, in my opinion, in my belief, from what I've seen, and even for me personally, all of my fears go back to death of some kind, whether it's actual physical death of me or of someone that I love, that's a huge fear of death. 
or if it's of the death of a dream I have, or a death of a marriage, a death of something that I have been investing my life and my time into, to see that die, or to fear that death of that that thing ultimately ceasing from existence, is terrifying. But Peter tells us here, first of all, I want you to remember, Jesus has overcome all kinds of death. He overcame physical death. He resurrected from the dead. He's overcome death for for us, for the people who love him, for his followers. He has overcome that death. But in everything else he's done, he's also overcome all kinds of death. We have hope that there is a future beyond death. God is the God of plan B. Even if you mess up or even if someone else messes up the plan A for you, God's not going to say, you know what? Your life is no longer worth it. I've got a backup. There's always, always a plan B. He starts with that. We have an inheritance. We have all of these amazing things that are going to happen. But Peter tells us here in verse 6, though now for a little while you've had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. There are so many hard things that we have to go through in life. So many hard things. But it's in these trials that your faith is refined. Here's one question I want to ask you. Are you following God? Are you worshiping God because of what God can do for you? Do you pray so that God will do something in your life, that he'll answer a request, that he will change a circumstance? Of course, everyone does that. But is that the main reason? Is that what you hope to get out of this relationship with God? If it is, I want to challenge you to rethink that because here's why. Shouldn't it be that since God is so great, so powerful, so awesome, and so wonderful, shouldn't it be that we love God, follow God, worship God, yearn for God because of who God is? Even if God never did one more thing for me, even if he seemed to just stop doing the, stop being a part of, stop anything that has to do with my life. He's already done amazing amounts of things for me. When he died on the cross, when he sent his son to die on the cross for my sins, when he promised everlasting life, when he gave the answer, the solution, the way out of death, That's huge. Even if that's all he ever did for me, that's more than I could ever pay back. But there comes a time, I've done it in my life, where it's it's like, okay, God, what else why aren't you answering this prayer? What else can you do for me right now? And it takes you to a new level of faith, to a new level of understanding the core of who Jesus is and who God is, when we can worship God for who he is, when we can love him for who he is, not because of what he can do for us. And that's when you get to this faith that's of greater worth than gold, this faith that is refined by fire, but it's not tainted. It's not taken apart. It's not melted and 
and goes away completely and is unusable, but instead it becomes harder. It becomes shinier. It becomes more valuable from what you're going from what you're going through so that it can be proved genuine and it can result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You know, in the midst of the trials is when impurities in my life, in your life, in everyone's life, it's when those impurities begin to surface. When you are pressed down on every side, and you feel like you are at your breaking point, or you are at your breaking point, that's when the impurities of your faith, the impurities of your character, the impurities of, of what you're going through, that's when those things surface. And you know, it's hard to go through when you're going through it, because you don't want to feel abandoned. I mean, at its core, when it comes to that, you don't want to feel like God is abandoning you. You don't want to have to wrestle with these hard questions. You don't want to have to do even more work on yourself because what you're going through is already hard enough. But the truth is when you can see those impurities and when you can bond with God in a way like never before to say, God, this is this really crappy thing I'm going through. And here's the way I'm feeling about it. Here, let me, let me give an example, a concrete example. So for me, when my husband and I were going through our marriage difficulties, you know, it was like, okay, God, here's what I'm going through. And I feel like I don't deserve. And here's the impurities rising within me. Those impurities were anger. I wasn't just angry at God. I was angry at my husband. I was angry at everything. I was jealous of others around me who looked like they had everything going right for them, who looked like they had a perfect marriage. I was resentful of the fact that I had entered into a binding covenant with my husband because at that time in my life, I wanted out. I, If there would have been a way to get out, I probably would have taken it. So I was resentful of the fact that I had made that covenant, which, you know, now looking back at it, it's a... That was something that helped me through that time. That's something that made our commitment even stronger on the other side of getting through it. You know, I dealt with many impurities. I dealt with temptation, with lust, with you name it, I probably dealt with it. But that's one of the things that happens when you're going through those trials. And I had the option. I could abandon my beliefs and values. I could abandon my faith. I could abandon what God was clearly calling me to do, which was to stand for my marriage, to love my husband unconditionally, even when it hurt, even when I had nothing to gain from it. That's what God was calling me to do. I could have not listened. And there were times, I, I mean, I didn't. I, I would be angry. I would respond to him hatefully. I would do you know, I would not do things that were loving. But it wasn't until I finally just submitted to God, let myself be in his care, let him guide me, and removed those impurities from my life, from my faith. That's when everything changed. Right now, there's a lot of things going off with, on with people that we love, with with sicknesses, with cancer, with with 
so much of that. And, and some of the people that, that I love that are walking through this as well, their response is, is God real? God's not answering my prayers to heal this person. God's not acting in the way that I want God to act. And that's so hard. It's so hard to be in that place. It's so scary to be in that place. And I don't at all ever want to sound judgmental because I'm not. I'm, I'm compassionately trying to work through this with them. How do I respond? As At this point, I'm an outsider um, in some ways in the fact that it's not my immediate family that's going on, but the people who it is their immediate family, how can I walk with them? How can I portray God's love to them? How can I help them make sense of this? Because it doesn't make sense to me. But the only thing I know to come back to is God is good. And if death is the biggest fear that we have, he's conquered it. If the death of the marriage is the biggest fear that you have, I can't tell you that God is going to restore your marriage. I can't tell you that you can pray a certain way and everything will change. But here's what I do know. God honors those who honor him. And God will never return to you void that which you sacrifice to him. He sees it. He sees what you're doing. He sees your sacrifices. He sees your pain. And more than anything, he wants to be your comforter. More than anything, he wants to be the one that you turn to for your contentment, for your joy, for your future, for your hope. Because everything we depend on in this world is going to fade in some way or another. It's the way that it happens. There's no way to change it. But we find hope in the fact that Jesus has overcome the grave. We find hope in the fact that that God and his Holy Spirit live within us, are alive within us. These are the things that drive us forward if we choose to. Now, choosing to doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect. And you might be sitting there thinking that, oh, Kimberly, (laughs) you make it sound like you've done everything right. And you're just telling us how to do this. And you make it sound so easy. I hope I'm not coming across that way because it's not easy. It's not at all easy. And I've struggled with it my whole life. Um, I can say I'm thankful that I was brought up in a home that emphasized the goodness of God, that emphasized the importance of following God, not following your own heart, trusting God, not trusting your emotions, being a committed person, following through with your commitments. I had parents that instilled those values in me. But one of the reasons that I had parents that instilled those values in me and that I listened is because my parents would do this exact same thing when they were hit with hard times. When my parents' marriage went completely haywire and they divorced, I wasn't yet born. So I didn't get to see that happen firsthand. But I did get to see the aftermath. I am the aftermath. I wouldn't be here if my parents didn't choose to do the right thing and to commit to God and to follow God's plans. I and ever since then, in my whole life, I've seen it happen. I've seen them display it. I've seen others around me do it. And so 
you might be sitting there thinking, okay, but my marriage is ending and I'm trying to save it, but my spouse isn't coming back. So what kind of message is that giving my children? I'll tell you what kind of message it's giving your children. It's giving your children an actual real life example of a person who, while at all odds are against you, you are still standing up and doing the right thing. Even when you literally have nothing to gain, even when it really hurts you, what you are exemplifying to your children, to your friends, to your family, to the people around you, when you have to make a hard decision of what voice am I going to listen to? The voice of fear or the voice of faith? The people around you see you. They're watching you. They will be impacted by the decisions that you make. They, they just will. I, when I first started preparing for this podcast, I was reminded of the story of David and Goliath, which might seem a little strange, but uh, in this story, you have a young boy who, for all intents and purposes, should not have fought a giant. <laughs> I mean, he was just a shepherd. He, he wasn't even in the military. But you know what he did? He saw a struggle. He saw a problem that was happening. And he saw that no one was stepping up to the plate. No one was trying to overcome this battle. No one was even fighting this battle. And so for David, he said, if no one is going to fight, I'm going to fight because someone has to set an example. Someone has to step in. Someone has to do something. So what did David do? He stepped up. Everyone thought he was going to die. They thought, there's no way you're going to win this fight. You are signing your death wish here and now. That's a giant. You can't do that. So much opposition. But David had faith. David decided not to live in fear. And David killed the giant. You can find the story in 1 Samuel 17 if you don't know much about it. David didn't see Goliath as an opposition, but as an opportunity to step up. He reframed the situation from, this is terrible, woe is me, life is over. And he reframed it to, I have an opportunity to set an example for other people. I have an opportunity to let God use me and use my future, and, and shape my future, and equip me to do amazing things. That's what David did. So you have a Goliath in your life. Your marriage, work, struggle with children, I don't know what it is. But you're facing a Goliath. And here's some things to remember. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter if you're ill-equipped or if you feel ill-equipped. It doesn't matter if you've failed a million times before because God can take someone who is ill-equipped and turn them into God's chosen people, 
He can equip you for what you need to do. He will equip you for what you need to do. You have to ask. Just call. I I don't want to sound too over-spiritual here, but I think that in this day and time, people underemphasize the power of prayer. I think people underemphasize the power of having faith. Don't underestimate that in your life. God trains us for battle. We are servants of Christ, but we're also part of God's army. We have been trained. We are being trained. We will continue to be trained in how to fight to save others, in how to fight to redeem relationships, in how to fight to honestly spread the message of the gospel. I mean, it can't get any more simple than that. Jesus fought for others, but if you look at the New Testament and the stories we have of Jesus, he didn't look like the kind of soldier we would have expected him to. But he fought, nonetheless. He loved other people where they were, and he wouldn't stop there. He didn't stop until he had won the hearts, until he had spread the message of of the kingdom of God. Our inadequacy should not stop us from fighting, but it should allow God to give us strength. It's when we are entering into the fights that are so beyond our capability that we realize we can't do it alone. That we realize if I try to do this without God, my impurities will really show. They'll really surface. When you try to do it alone, not only is it lonely, not only is it just weakening to your spirit, where at the end of it, you feel like you're drained. You're emotionally drained, everything drained. But that's not how God wants it to be. See, when we fight, God wants to lead the way. God wants to empower us, to give us the equipment we need, to put that armor on us that is talked about in Ephesians. He gives us the sword. He gives us the shield. He gives us the breastplate. He he armors us. He gives us what we need. And he will equip us and he will train us and he will push us and motivate us and make us stronger. And sometimes that means we have to face really hard things. Think about a soldier training for war. They don't go overseas to Afghanistan and that's their first kind of experience in a war zone. Even if they haven't actually fought in a war yet, in the states, they have done simultation or uh, simulations. They have gone to deserts. They have stretched themselves outside of their comfort zone so that they could prepare for war the best they could. In our daily lives, we need to be preparing for the battles. We need to be strengthening ourselves with starting the day, or at least sometime in the day being in the word, being prayerful, spending time with God, 
Nothing, nothing, nothing can replace that. In a world where people want quick fixes and pills and easy answers, there is no substitution for spending time with God. None. If you look for it, you won't find it. And if there's someone who says, hey, try this, this will do that, they're lying. You have to take the initiative. You have to do your part. And in a world where where that happens, the fact that you do that is your training for battles. And you'll notice in your daily life, you have to do things that are hard. You have to overcome the temptations of your mind on a daily basis. I believe it's 1 Corinthians that says you have to wake up and be, die to your old self, become your new self every day. You're going to experience problems in relationships with your children, with your spouse, whatever. You're going to have people get sick. These things are going to happen. If you're not preparing for it, then when the battles come, the battles will be harder if you're not prepared. The battles are still hard even when you're prepared. But if you're not setting yourself up for success before it happens, I just don't want it to break you. When it boils down to it, I want to see people connect with Christ. I want to see people understand the unconditional and amazing love that Jesus Christ has for us. When people go through hard times in their marriage, a lot of people turn away from God because they're angry. And I get it. I feel like I would be doing a disservice to the world if I didn't emphasize the incredible importance of digging in deep to God, especially when it's hard, especially when it hurts, especially when everything else is failing. God won't fail you. He might not do exactly what you want him to do, but he's never going to leave you. Never. Never going to leave you. Be aware of your vulnerabilities. When you're fighting battles, when there's huge, huge things at stake, like your marriage, it is the perfect time for Satan to enter your mind, to enter your circumstances, to enter your situation, and tell you lies. Lies such as, God doesn't love you. If there were a God, would he really allow this? Those are not fruits of the Spirit. Those are not, those are not thoughts that are good. Those are thoughts that are filled with lies, that are meant to seek, kill, and destroy because they're from the enemy and they're planning doubt. They're planning hate. They're planting frustration. They're planting fear. Be aware of your vulnerabilities. Support yourself by getting a support system. Surround yourself 
with people who are going to fight with you for your marriage, for whatever situation it is, but also fight for your relationship with God. Fight for your mind. Fight for peace and faith and calmness in the midst of chaos. When you come out of the battles, you're going to come out with scars. And the scars can either be a reminder that you've been wounded, or they can be a reminder that you've been healed. When David came out of that fight, I'm sure he had some scars. Even if not physically, there were probably some scars emotionally or mentally. But instead of using that as a crutch to look back on, like if your marriage doesn't make it, you can either look back on that time and you can use it to always remind yourself of how hurt you were, of how much someone hurt you. Or you can look back on that time and you can say, I endured that by God's grace and I have been healed. I'm stronger now because of it. And by God, I have a testimony. And I'm going to use my testimony to equip, empower, and enlighten other people. And ultimately, to bring other people to Christ. I hope and pray that you can come to that point in your walk, in your journey, in your struggles, and in your circumstances. It's really hard. It's not an easy road. It's not an easy journey. But when you look at some of the greatest things that have happened ever in the world, did any of them come from something that was easy? Even when you look at Jesus in the garden, he, before he went to be crucified, which was ultimately the greatest act of love, but also the greatest obstacle anyone has ever had to endure, he's sweating with blood because he's so nervous before it happens. He's praying that if this is God's will, he'll do it. But God, if it's not your will, spare me. It was God's will, as we know. And Jesus went into it like a warrior. And he came out having conquered what no one else ever has conquered, which is death, resurrecting from life to death, or death to life. And because of that, We have that hope and inheritance that Peter talks about. We have that salvation. We have that kingdom that once this life passes, we have a home. I can't wait. I don't know about you, but with every day that passes in this crazy world, especially now, it's like, God, anytime, anytime you want to come, fine by me. Can't wait to see you. Like, I just want to be in your presence all the time. That's what I want for all of you. That's what I want for me. I'm speaking out of my own trials, my own experiences, my own things that I struggle with. And I just want to encourage you through this. 
I'd love to hear back from you. I'd love if you're in our Facebook groups. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I'd love to hear your stories. I, what I want to hear more than anything is how are you currently dealing with your struggles and circumstances? And if you're not dealing with it in a way that's been helpful, be honest about it. And then say, here's what I'm going to do going forward. And here's what I'm going to do with my testimony. I'd love to hear that. If you love Marriage Radio, share us with your friends. Leave us a review on iTunes. Help us reach more people. We would love to get a review from you. Love to be pushed up on the charts on iTunes so we can reach even more people. If you want to know more about what we do at Marriage Helper, you can go to marriagehelper.com. You can join in our private Facebook group on Facebook that is called Save My Marriage. You can look up the things that we do. We have workshops every month for people whose marriages are on the brink of divorce that have a 77% success rate of saving their marriage. If you can't get your spouse to go, we have an online course called the Save My Marriage Program, which is an amazing, amazing course with video material, with weekly group coaching calls that are all aimed towards moving you towards getting your spouse to re-engage in the marriage. We have tons of ways to help you. We have a prayer team. The list goes on and the list goes on. You can also call us at 615 472-1161 if you want more information about anything that we do. We have a staff of people that is dedicated to helping. We'll see you next week back here on Marriage Radio. Have a great week.